You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headspace, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, AJ Andrews of jaysrunacouch.com, and this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Um, so, I hope y'all enjoyed last night's fireworks. I'm solely referring to the fireworks on the field. There were no fireworks to be had here. I mean, it was foggy and rainy and... Still somehow going to be 19 degrees tomorrow. So, there's your brief introduction into Nova Scotia weather. Um, but no, Tampa Bay managed to even the World Series at 1 with a 6-4 victory over Los Angeles tonight. That's going to be the main focus of today's episode. Tomorrow, we will be discussing Mark Shapiro's recent comments and what they mean for the future of the Blue Jays heading into the offseason post-World Series. So, got a, got a fair amount to talk about there. So, it will be interesting. But, obviously we have to talk about, you know, Brandon Lau, first of all. Because Brandon Lau finally awoke after it seemed like, you know, every Blue Jays game... I watched the season. Brandon Lau was just there, just being a thorn in Toronto's side. And yet, he couldn't do anything against the Yankees. Couldn't do anything against Houston. And people were wondering, like, is when is he going to show up? Is he a guy that just does not have the ability to perform on the grandest stage? The Clayton Kershaw for the next generation... Well, he performed tonight. He hit two home runs, had three RBIs, and was the difference in the 6-4 win. And dang if Tampa Bay didn't need someone to wake up like that. Because as much as I praise Tampa Bay for its versatility, they haven't had someone take that step forward. They definitely missed it in Game 1 when Kershaw was out there and just kind of mowing people down. And for Brandon Lau to go out there and actually be the MVP candidate that some people thought he could be. Because if you, if you are taking one position player off this Tampa Bay team and saying they're the MVP, Lau is the guy. Like, there's, there's no real argument for anyone else. That, that lineup is a sum greater than the parts, aside from when Lau has these runs where he just seems to be able to find anything and drive it. So to get him going is going to make it very difficult for the Dodgers to try and run this this bullpen strategy again. And we're going to talk about the pitching in the second half of this episode. I do want to focus on hitting it a little bit. Just because... For Tampa Bay, that is what was getting them into trouble. It's why the New York series went the distance. It's why 
the Houston series went the distance because they could not get the offense in those games to put teams away early. And in this one, they built up enough of a lead. Brandon Lau's home runs help, but that big double by Joey Wendell that cashed in G-Man Choi and Manuel Margot, that, that was arguably the biggest hit of the night for Tampa Bay. And that it gave them a real cushion to work with instead of trying to protect a one-run lead, which... When you have a team with as much power as the Dodgers, it's never a safe lead. I mean, they were showing Mookie Betts in the on-deck circle as we got to the the final out of the game. And, you know, he would have instantly been the tying run if Chris Taylor um, was able to get on board. But um, Kevin Cash stuck by his strategy, which again... We will be talking about in the second half. And Tampa Bay finally got something done. It it was Margot, and it was Lau. But that hit from Joey Wendell proved to be the big one. And and that's that's a thing that Joey Wendell can kind of do. And in, in that he is one of those professional hitters. There are a fair amount of professional hitters on this Tampa Bay team and that they can they can try and send the ball where it needs to go in order to get the job done. Joey Wendell was just looking to drive something in the gap, and he had that sacrifice fly that brought in the sixth run for Tampa Bay, and that's what they need to do. They don't rely on the home run as much as Los Angeles does. I mean, Los Angeles did out-homer them tonight 3-2 to two and lost, and I have to check the records, but I think that might be... Uh, one of the rare times that that's happened. I I know the stat from earlier in the postseason was like 13-0 and 0, uh, teams with more homers got the wins. So it's a trend that the Rays were able to buck, mostly because they were able to limit the damage. I mean, uh, Taylor had that home run, the two-run home run, because Kike Hernandez walked um, against Blake Snell. But solo shots, they don't do much to the scoreboard when you can come up with hits and, and, you know, be able to have those professional at-bats like Joey Wendell had tonight. And, again, that that was the big thing for Tampa Bay tonight. Yeah, they had Brandon Lau's home runs, but they had Wendell coming up with those hits when they needed. And, granted, you want to see more than two people in a lineup have those sorts of nights. And... Yamargo was two for three tonight, which helped set up Wendell. But if Tampa Bay is going to have a, a chance to take this, they have to start getting like more consistent production up and down the lineup. You can't have two opposite field home runs from Brandon Lau again. You're going to have to start, you know, getting other other means of production. And, you know, you look at the the bottom third of that lineup tonight. Willie Adamas, Kevin Kiermeyer, Mike Zanino combined one for 12. It gave the Dodgers too many easy innings to navigate. So someone's going to have to step up from the bottom of that lineup. Now, again, it seems, it seems weird to be signal, singling out Tampa Bay, considering LA only had five hits tonight and two of them were Corey Seegers. But... You know, there, there is, I believe, more 
faith that the Dodgers have a lineup that can kind of turn it on whenever. And you've seen Dave Roberts play around with the platoons a fair bit. He brought in uh, Edwin Rios to pinch hit for AJ Pollock. He's brought in Jock Peterson off the bench and been able to move Chris Taylor around between left field and second base like that. But it it's I guess I guess more of a track record thing, but I I would be a little worried if um, they don't come out against Charlie Morton tomorrow and and put the pressure on him early because we saw what he can do in an elimination game. He shut down his former team and didn't think twice about it. So that's what the Dodgers are going to have to overcome when we go to game three on Friday night. And in order to do that, you know, I I hope they have their built bars ready because they're going to need them. Um, and they won't have to worry because built bars are tasty. They're coated in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They come in flavors such as salted caramel, peanut butter brownie, toffee, almond, German chocolate, and new flavors like cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, and apple almond crisp. And they're very healthy. They give you um, anywhere from 17 to 19 grams of protein for under 200 calories and just 5 grams of sugar. That's 5 grams of net carbs. So, you know, you can indulge. You can enjoy it. If you're doing the keto thing, it's great for that. And right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com and use that promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. So, Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and get 25... Sorry, I almost oversold it. It's just 20%, but it's worth it to get your hands on those tasty treats from Built Bar. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about the pitching, because... You know, seems like I didn't leave myself enough time to do it, but whatever. Um, Blake Snell was really good until he wasn't. And, you know, nine strikeouts uh, in four and two-thirds innings. That is uh, 14 outs. So, you know, approximately two-thirds of his outs came via the strikeout. The only problem is he walked four. And that just continues an issue that we saw with Tyler Glass now in the first game, that race starters are now starting to give away way too many free passes. And that's what happens when you come against a Dodgers team that loves to be patient. I don't know. It's like Mookie Betts brought that over from Boston or something. Don't know why Boston wouldn't want that, but here we are. So... They've been working the counts a lot. They got Snell up to 88 pitches, and you can see Kevin Cash wasn't having a repeat at Game 1. He wasn't going to let Los Angeles creep back in. So he brought in Nick Anderson. Anderson got the punch out that he needed um, when it looked like that fifth inning was starting to get away from, from Tampa Bay. But... He he got Justin Turner. That that was the big strikeout he needed. And they were able to roll on. Now what I'd be worried about is just the heavy reliance on those guys like Nick Anderson, like Peter Fairbanks. Um, the Dodgers can square up those fastballs and get wood on them. Uh, Anderson got taken deep 
by um, Will Smith. And then Pete Fairbanks got taken deep by Corey Seager. So, as the Dodgers become more familiar with these high-leverage raised relievers, you have to wonder if they're going to be able to hold a one-run lead. And, I mean, Blue Jays fans, we, we all had Aaron Loop in a ninth-inning situation in a World Series game, right? Like, we, we when we were first watching Aaron Loop pitch for Toronto, we're like, he's going to be a high-leverage, late-game World Series reliever someday. I, I don't know how y'all didn't see it. I mean, geez, that, that, that hammer curveball that he's got. I know, I know. I'm, I'm joking, but still. You need just 11 pitches to get three outs, struck out two batters. Diego Castillo came in for the last one, which I don't know how necessary that was, but he... Sat down Chris Taylor pretty easily. Meanwhile, for the Dodgers, um, obviously the bullpen game did not go according to plan. Um, Tony Gonsolin got charged with the loss, which I'm sorry, kitty man. Yeah, you, you, you didn't deserve it. It was it was Dustin May who blew this game open, but Los Angeles never led. So what can you really do? But it has to be worrying to see both Gonsolin and Dustin May both give up multiple runs, both give up home runs to Brandon Lau. And maybe the plan for the Dodgers is after Walker Bueller comes out in Game 3, I don't see a Clayton Kershaw appearance in Game 4. I think they'd probably save him for Game 5. And then I guess the plan would have to be uh, garbage person Julio Urias going in game four. And I know they've been using him in that kind of relief role just to, you know, get the innings out of the pen, but they don't really have a choice. They use seven pitchers in tonight's game. And they're throwing, like, Alex Wood and Jake McGee out there late. And that's not going to fly. Yeah, you can you can re- think you can rely on Bruce Star Gratterall and Kenley Jansen, but... That's been proven to be a dicey proposition this year. So I'm not sure if that's going to work to the Dodgers' favor. They're going to need a long start out of Bueller on Friday night. And if they don't get it, they're going to be in serious trouble. Because once the Rays' offense gets rolling, they do not stop very easily. They have enough guys that can put pressure on. I mean, obviously Mike Zanino's been kind of a a roadblock to any major rallies, but... It won't take much for a game to get out of hand very quickly, as Blue Jays fans saw when they chased Hyunjin Ryu in the second inning. So that, that's got to be the major concern for the Dodgers going into this next set of games, is getting, getting that pitching staff realigned and you know being able to actually get solid innings out of out of their starters because one in the third is not going to cut it I know I know Kevin Cash is playing quick and easy with his starters but you gotta find those innings somewhere we'll see what they can do that that is the beauty of the World Series and and these have been two good games so far I'm pretty happy with them and we'll see 
what happens when we start this next little set. See who can grab momentum and hold on to it. And I will be talking about the, the Friday night game three. Um, but I will be busy on the weekend, so you'll have to wait until Monday. Hopefully we still have baseball to talk about back then. I am endeavoring to try and get a guest on who is a bit more well-versed on the Dodgers than I am. So hopefully they can speak more to what they need to do. I will I will take the side of the Rays, likely, on that episode. Just because, you know, you watch them ten times in, what was it, two months? You get very familiar with that team. So that uh, may be something to look for in the future on this podcast. So to make sure you don't miss out on that, subscribe uh, to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter at Locked on Jays, and you can follow me on Twitter at A underscore J underscore Andrews. The underscores are there because Twitter is dumb, but it hopefully allows me to get guests for the podcast. So there is a saving grace there. So until tomorrow, when we will be talking about Mark Shapiro's address to the assembled Blue Jays media and what we can really take away from it, in regards to recent announcements. We shall reveal that tomorrow. So until then, for everyone on the Locked On Podcast Network and everyone at jaysfromthecouch.com, I'm E.J. Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care.